Hello everyone and welcome to the Kickabout England stutter again as Southgate comes under fire once again. I'm your host Chris. I'm Pete. I'm Lee. I'm Josh. And welcome to episode 141 of the Kickabout. As you can hear, we've got a rather mixed lineup tonight. Uh, Dan decided to take a very last-minute holiday um, just to keep our, you know, our reputation up as having one person on the holiday every week so far this year. I think he got jealous, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, I'm he's glad. Got, he's, he's one up and gone abroad, though. I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to when my holiday's coming. <laughs> Not that there is one. Um, but yeah, long-time suffer- uh, sorry, fans of the show, uh, Shearer and Lee, are with us. Um, to talk about their perspective clubs, to give us something to talk about, because frankly, I don't want to talk about England all night because they fucking wind me up. <laughs> uh, we also don't have a stat, of course, because Dan is not here, um, but Pete has um, very kindly produced a quiz for us all to get involved with at the end of the show. So it'll be a shorter one tonight, no doubt, although I've said that before and it still turned out to be a long one, so <laughs> who knows. Right then, we will start then with the England game. Um, I don't want to dwell too much on the game itself because it wasn't a particularly good game anyway. Um, so I want to more focus on the stories around it and the largely negative reaction that's come about, come off the back of this game, in particular about Southgate and his tactics and his selection. Um, obviously, Shearer and Lee not being on the show this season yet. Um, what did you make of the squad before the game? Just briefly, you know, we talked last week about Henderson, Maguire, uh, Phillips, you know, all those sorts of characters. What was your reaction when you saw the squad initially? Well, I, like most people, don't think Henderson and Maguire should be in the team, or Phillips. There's people that have been left out of the squad that really deserve to be in there. Shearer, I mean, as a Newcastle fan, you know, people like Dan Burns, do you think he should be getting a look at when you've got Harry Maguire getting in there? Not based on this season's performance, if I'm going to be brutally honest, but... I do think you have a look at players like Tamori and like AC Milan, etc., mm. like that. Like, I think for me, anyway, like growing up, if they were playing well for their clubs, they get picked for the squad. Uh, now there's a core contingent he obviously trusts. Mm-hmm. It might not be solely based on what they do in the team, as in the starting eleven, but it might be what they do when they're at the camp, what they do at the training pitch, kind of have a bit of camaraderie, that side of it. But to play Jordan Henson for a full 90, I mean, it's a bit of a joke, mm. I think. I mean, it doesn't help he's from Sunderland either, but <laughs> but generally, I just, like I said, I think years past, he's been really good and like very sturdy, solid 7 out of 10 a lot of the times. But I just think nowadays we've got so many good players and attacking players as well that we could really be an attacking team. But I just feel like, as we mentioned prior to the show, we've got two holding midfielders and not more emphasis on that attack, I don't think. I mean, I don't want to be you know, negative about Ukraine because they're a solid outfit. They're not yeah, they're not an awful team. Um, we've got decent pedigree, some good, some good players in there. But it just feels like to me that there's... I actually described it when I was talking to somebody else. I described it as a case of the Moises, this, <laughs> this inferiority complex that England seem to have playing against anybody even remotely capable on the international stage that we set up with two CDMs and we just nullified the creative talent that's in this squad. And going into the Euros next year, 
I'm not sure how feared England are as a team anymore. I think that some of that fear factor that may or may not have been there, probably mostly through uh, media hype in this country, mm -hmm. I'm not sure how many teams are going to look at us and go, we, we should be scared of them because we don't play on the front foot enough. A team's going to be scared when we come up and set with two CDMs and Maguire at the back and, you know, looking for that counter-attacking goal. I don't think teams are going to be afraid of us anymore. Peter? I'm going to be very controversial and disagree. Oh, <laughs> well, I said at the start of the start of the, uh, start of the season that I wanted more controversy. Go for it. You tell me what you think and I'll tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. So, yes, we've got the likes of Henderson and that in the squad and Phillips that don't play, but... How many times in recent history have us as the English fans, if we can call ourselves that, moaned about the team and yet we've got into semis, finals and finals? Mm -hmm. So it might not be a flattering style of football, but it's successful. Uh, to an extent. To an extent, yeah. I mean, I suppose the counterpoint to that would be, when you look at the three tournaments that we've been in, the first one... Uh, the World Cup in 2018, was it? Yeah, was it that far sure. ago? Six years ago almost. Um, we did have a favourable run to the final and we did lose three times in that tournament as mm -hmm. well. Teams that lose three times in tournaments generally don't do well. The Euros, yes, I think we did well. Obviously, we put Germany in their place, which was nice, although Germany were not at the peak of their powers, but yep. it was still Germany. It's still a big game. It's still a big rivalry. Um, but I feel like he got his tactics wrong in the final. I feel like that game was there for the take, and I feel scoring early actually done us in because it felt like the England mm -hmm. team didn't know whether to stick or twist. Yeah, so, and then the last World Cup, I mean, you know, one penalty kick could change that game. You know, Kane scores that penalty, it's a very different mm -hmm. rest of that game. I'm not... <sighs> I don't massively. I'm, not, I'm looking at the last World Cup, and I think about some of the performances in the games. I think about like the USA game, for example, where our best player was Harry Maguire, just because you know we were sat so deep, and he was heading everything away. And this is a bit of a general general statement, but I just don't feel like we should ever be in a situation really where you're playing a team like USA and Maguire should be your best player. We never look comfortable, do we? Ever? We never in any game. It always looks hard, hard work. Yeah, it, it, it really shouldn't be, especially with the amount of talent we've got going forwards. We should be blowing teams away. I think that I think you're right. the point you make there. I mean, in this game against Ukraine, um, it just always felt like there was just the tension in the air. You could almost feel it from the players through the TV that they weren't quite ever sure that they were in control of that game. Um, now, obviously, going into the the, the Euros next year. I look at the teams around us, right? So you, you think about the usual international powerhouses. Outside of France, I don't think there's a single team in, in European football right now that England should be afraid of. No. Germany just got dicked by Japan and sacked their manager. Mm -hmm. Spain are hit and miss. Belgium. Italy are in a rebuild. Yeah, Belgium have... Belgium have... have and lost yeah, they've lost their golden generation now. They're, they're going to have to go through a rebuild. Uh, Netherlands have always been deceiving and never really had it. Who else? Portugal... You know, they've got some very they're talented players. Yeah, they've got some talented players. That's, um, that's whether you want to take the risk or reward, though, because we look at the under-21s of England and how successful they've been in recent years. Mm -hmm. But how many of those players have actually come through and are representing the England squad? Well, Southgate has got a history of, of calling players up to the squad that have come through the the England ranks. Yeah. Colwell, Nketiah. Chelsea never plays them. And I feel like a game against Ukraine, with the greatest respect to Ukraine, and there is an opportunity there. 
These are these are Premier League grade players. I feel like you could throw them in, and you should still expect them to be good enough to to deal with a, a team like Ukraine. There's there's some quality players in the under twenty ones. I mean Cole Palmer as well. Mm-hmm. I still think I think he's very much this season could be make or break for him of whether he makes a real foot in the Premier League. Yeah, and with the the risk and reward side of it is like Spain or Italy when they go through that transition of the experienced players like Chiellini and everyone like that is do you want to rip the script up and get rid of Henderson and start putting in these younger promising players if they flop where do we go from there because we've done terribly in the Nations League Mm -hmm. and they got ripped apart for that then you do all right in the World Cup and now we're top of the league in Euros that's we still not lost a game that's the only great game we've drawn against Ukraine and they were what unbeaten in four mm-hmm. so it's not like it's a terrible result so that's not you know, necessarily a good one either it's not it? necessarily a good one no but but I think like you say like with what you're saying with risk and reward a lot of his tournament tactics have been to not concede I feel instead of scoring loads of goals it is yeah we do alright at that I feel, and I think that's, <laughs> I think that's his main em- emphasis is that if you don't concede, you don't lose. Instead of you score more goals, you win, if you know what I mean. You'd rather be solid at the back and then let what happened happen. Mm-hmm. Such a hard watch, though, isn't it? But, and that's, but like Pete said, would I you get, rather... I, I get this with West Ham, but I don't want it with England as well. <laughs> but would you rather, like, I don't know what Pete's coming from, would you rather us play terribly but get far or play really well and not get as far? The fact you can go toe-to-toe with France, okay, mm-hmm. but then you also go toe-to-toe with Ukraine, the only team we could probably comfortably beat is San Marino. Comfortably. Yeah, and that's the key word, isn't it? It's the, it's the comfort factor. Is that when, when you play teams like San Marino, with the greatest of respect, they are a minnow of, of world football. Mm. It doesn't matter what system you play against them, the quality of our players is always going to shine through. So if England were a Premier League team, who would you say they are? Would you put them down Ooh. as a Burnley? Nah, I wouldn't, go, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't go, I wouldn't go that low. Not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's even lower. Um, On a, over the course of the Premier League, I'd say like an Everton. Uh, trying to think. I would probably put them in the sort of Spurs bracket. The sort of nearly... You know, you're, you're, you're so close to having a team that could win a trophy, that could go that step. You know, they, they've been to finals... In recent times, they've they've been to semi-finals in recent times, and for whatever reason, they just cannot get over the line. Um, I was hoping <laughs> someone would say. <laughs> <laughs> I think you, you, back to your point, Pete, about what the future holds. At some point, though, the the situation with Henderson, where you say that he is a reliable player, yes, obviously he's gone to Saudi Arabia and he's playing in a league that has no motivation for any player to really exert themselves, so he's going to become complacent anyway. At some point, the, the decision's going to have to be made regardless. So if it was like, to me, why not just bite the bullet, do it now in these games where you've got an opportunity? Mm. I mean, we're probably going to see it tomorrow night against uh, Scotland anyway, so I'm sure he's going to rotate. Um, but if it was like, do it. Just bite the bullet and do it. Trust these players. You know, if you if you love these players coming through the England setup, these are good players. These are not any random players you bring. These aren't like championship players. These are yeah. Premier League performing mm. players. The problem is you get the frustrations as well, because I saw an article yesterday about Harvey Barnes wanted to swap his alliances to yes I saw Scotland, that earlier yeah Scotland yeah that would be for me that would be quite a miss mm. but then equally there's an awful lot of players in that mm. position right yeah. now yeah um, 
I think Harvey Barnes is quite underrated, but I can't see him getting in that getting squad. in the England. He's in that Bowen bracket, isn't yeah. he? He's sort of like always going to be on the cusp. He's always going to be that fringe player. Mm. Whereas if he goes to Scotland, and let's be honest, Scotland right now, they're riding a bit of a wave at the moment, Scotland. Mm-hmm. He actually would go in to make a massive difference to Scotland, you would think. So wouldn't be the worst idea um, for him. Um, what about the future for Southgate then? Because he, as you say, Pete, he has delivered us a semi-final, a final, and some, you know, some memorable moments in, in his tenure. Where does he go from here? I think he's come out and said, hasn't he? This is the Euros yeah. after that is going to be his last. Mm-hmm. But to try and put Pep in the driving seat after him seems a little bit <laughs> ludicrous because now we've got Pep taking mm. the England job and Jurgen Klopp going for the Germany mm. job. Yeah. He's taking the two best managers managers out of the Premier League. <laughs> it's not well, going to happen. If Pep goes from Man City, at least it'll make the, uh, the Premier League a bit more interesting. <laughs> um, I suppose my, my question wasn't necessarily about his like Stay. long-term future and standing as the manager. I'm thinking more about like how does he approach games now? Does 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 any of this change his mind? Does any of this maybe make him think twice about people like Henderson going forward into a big tournament? No, or do you think he's, he's going to stay with the tried and tested formula? He's never, he's never changed anything, has he? No. If he's come under so much scrutiny before, yes, he's fell short, or the team in general has felt fallen short, but he's never really changed anything about what he does. I mean, we were screaming for Grealish in the... Euros yeah. to come on because he was always a sub it was an impact sub and then everyone was hailing him as a hero when we got to the final so you know the very the fans are just as deluded as everyone else when <laughs> things are going right yeah. we don't complain when things go wrong or they aren't 100% mm-hmm. he's always going to be the first one that they're going to point fingers at yeah no, that's uh, I very much take on board that uh, that point um, I mean do we do we think that there is a genuine chance that Guardiola comes to England? No, no. that's that's wishful thinking. I think. I'm I mean, the, the, the only <laughs> the only the only thing I would say is that he has now got what he wanted. Yeah. With that Champions League trophy at Man City. Yeah. Pat, obviously, I don't know the man, but he strikes me as a sort of man who is just like a he's a serial winner. He wants to win everything, mm. and he has now won everything that there is to win at club level. Does he now think right now it's time to attack the international stage, or do you think he's got? I don't. Think you know, how much longer has he got at Man City now that he's done that? I don't think he'd want to tarnish his reputation, to be honest with you. What by going to England? Yeah, <laughs> it's a poison chalice, isn't it, with yeah. the England job? I said if he the did, pressure if he that did would deliver, come with that. I said he's got the balls amongst other things to be able to handle it. I said you have a look what he's like, but the fact that at City, especially, he could just say there's a problem with our defence. Go buy a. 80 million pound defender mm. oh we haven't got a good striker buys the best striker in the world can't do that on a national level you can't put him transfer for Spain or somebody so else so you can't just buy a passport or a visa no, for someone exactly and um, I think he'd more likely try and do something try and win the Champions League with another team potentially and just go through each country and be one of the first managers to win I don't know three Champions Leagues in three different wouldn't yeah. surprise me if he's into PSG. I was just about to say yeah, that. PSG haven't won the Champions League, any. It'd be, it'd be set yeah. up for him there, isn't it, Then Yeah. Go to PSG, they got money, they can spend it. And they're in a bit of a finish. weird spot, haven't they? Because obviously they've lost Neymar, they've lost um, yeah, potentially losing Messi, Mbappe. Mbappe. Well, <laughs> he seems to change his mind every other day, doesn't he? So we don't know what's yeah. going to happen with him. Um, but they have got an ageing team as well. You know, they had Ramos as well. He's gone to Sevilla, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you Could know. be a good rebuild project for him absolutely um, 
exactly. No, and they are. They even with an aging squad with those players missing, they're still top dogs. They're, they're going to guarantee France. Champions League football, aren't they? So, just touching on Ramos quickly as well to choose to go to Sevilla for mm. that the low ball offer yeah. instead of going to Saudi. Proper football, in yeah. Respect. Yeah, it's a shame that more people don't do that. Um, so, yeah, okay. I mean, in terms to. Um, England, obviously, we've got we've got another international break coming up in October. I think it is late October. So yeah, Ugh. looking forward to that. Like a hole in the head. Um, yeah, I just I don't know. As you say, I I totally agree. I don't think he's going to change his ways. I don't think he's going to suddenly adopt a new attacking style of football. But I just want to see him. It just feels like we were talking about this when you came over, Pete, before uh, Shearer and, and in fact, no, I was talking with you actually. Yeah. Um, when when Southgate first came in, it felt like there was this wave of positivity. Felt good. It felt good to be England fan again. That everyone was behind. You know, the whole country was united in that World Cup attempt. Everyone was wearing fucking um, waistcoats yeah. and all that kind of oh, stuff. Yeah. Everyone was everyone was up for it. And he was he was at that point picking players on form, and he sort of built this team around. You know, yes, we got a bit fortunate with the draw, etc. But you know, that's out of our control. It's you got, to be, football, got to be, exactly. It's yeah. not our fault that the big teams lost to shit teams. That's mm. on them. Um, and then slowly over time, over the last couple of tournaments where we are today, it feels like he has just begun to fall into it. In fact, no, he hasn't just. He's been falling into it for ages. Falling into the trap that all England managers fall into where they sort of become, I don't know, almost when they, when they come in new, they, it's almost like it's a fresh job. They can kind of do what they want. Mm-hmm. And then over time, they get kind of, I don't know, if the pressure gets to them or whatever, and they revert to type and they revert to picking names. And you think about all the stories you hear about the days of Ferdinand, Scholes, Gerard, Lampard, all that lot. Mm. It was all about names. It was all about clicks. And it's not as bad as that now, don't get me wrong, but no. it feels like there's an element of there. And it's, I don't know, I'm, I've gone back again on England. I just don't get excited. I, mean, I knew the game was on on Saturday, but I certainly didn't rush back from football to get to watch it. Certainly didn't record it either. <laughs> <laughs> but if I did, it would have got deleted as soon as I saw the result. But It's, it's hard because, like as we mentioned, like, the whole kind of like build up to a tournament, you you get sucked into it anyway. But tournament football is always exciting, yeah, because um, of the whole premise, how it's a tournament, it's a knockout sort of vibe to it. And yeah, yeah, you get hyped up for it, and we'll end up watching it regardless. But I just felt for me with Southgate, the whole final getting into the Euros, I felt like that was our time, yeah, in our generation to actually see England win. A trophy. I fooled you were. Oh, <laughs> it do you was think, do you think... it down. I was outside watching it on a big jumbo scroll. <coughs> I was throwing Miss Stella up in the air. That's, when... that's when everyone got COVID as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah. exactly. We lost the yeah. final, then we all got <laughs> fucking COVID as well. Exactly. <laughs> but I just felt like if we were going to ever do anything for our time with him, that was our point. Yeah. To go into a final 1-0 up, controlling the game for the first half to then go to shit and then have our keeper who saved three penalties in a shootout and still lose. Yeah. That for me, I just think it's just <laughs> not going to... Yeah. And if he does do anything, which I obviously hope he does in this last tournament, then you just got to say, well done. Because but apart from him, apart from winning... Who else can we say he's done as well as him? No, he has been the most successful England manager probably since Alf Ramsey. Yeah. I know success is a very subjective term because we haven't actually but won anything. They like said, um, was it two semi-finals and a final? Uh, was it a semi-final against France? Was it a quarter-final? Well, 
can't remember. Right, I think but that, do I think you know what I mean? To get in the latter stages as, as much as he has, like, you, you can't complain too much. I think my, my only counter to it is if you're... If we're questioning the team and yet we're saying that the only person or the only team yeah. that is really feared is France, you're effectively saying that we're the second best team in Europe. Uh, well, I'm saying we are in the conversation for it because... you know, It's a pretty it, good argument to have. Yeah, it is. Um, but I, I guess my frustration with that is we've got an opportunity to really cement that because of the players that we have and it feels like we haven't. You know, we could we could easy, we could sooner be second, but we could easily be tenth or twelfth. If it was purely on on paper, the yeah. squads on paper, you've got to look at it. Yeah, yeah. They, well, England squad is right should, up there with the yeah. French squad. Um, the only problem that England have had, and we've had this for a number of years, is centre back for me. Mm. That's the only position on the pitch where we just don't seem to have a lot of depth. But that being said, is that we we've not seen Gahey in much games, but then. You know, you look at the French team and look at their centre backs. You think is Gahey up to that up to that grade? Tamori been playing consistently well for Milan, still not been given a chance for England. So we are still looking at Maguire, Stones, for Tyron Mings. Gold as well. I don't think our our goalkeepers are great. No, but the only person I'd say at the bad would be Stones. Is Stones is probably the best defender we have. Yeah, we've had for years. Rhys James is out now, isn't he? So he should be back. Yeah. The international break. And then he'll be off. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. Just, what we've got to do is we've got to try and time his injury so that he's fit for the World Cup. Um, so, right. Okay, well, that's enough talk about uh, about England. Uh, we're going to move on and we're going to switch our attention back to the Premier League and take advantage of the fact that we have a Chelsea fan and a Newcastle fan with us this evening. Uh, and I'm going to start with you, Lee. Come to Chelsea. Brilliant. Um, can't say I didn't warn you that we weren't going to talk about this tonight, so no excuses. Um as I said, as a, as a listener of the show, um, you would have heard the things we talked about last week about Chelsea. Um, I made a rather bold prediction about the future of Chelsea and whether or not this transfer policy and the attitude and the way Todd Bowley is going about things potentially could mean a period of crazy you know, instability and inconsistency. Do you fear that or do you, are you a little bit more positive? I'm more positive, I think. What they've done is over a few transfer windows, they've completely revamped the squad. And I'm hoping that is going to be it now. You might get the odd one or two come in and go out, but it's not going to be anything like what it is. And I'm hoping that we're going to have some stability now. Keep Poch in there, give him a chance, give him time. It's a really young squad. Mm -hmm. The average age of our squad is 22 and a half years old. Wow. I think the average age of the players we brought in was only 20 years old throughout the whole of the transfer window. So there is an element so, of building for the future there. And I also heard that the uh, policy at Chelsea now is to not sign players over the age of 25. That is why they wasn't in for James Madison or anything. Interesting. Mm. So, um, I mean, that sort of ties in with Bowley's attitude, which we talked about with his transfer policy, where he, he said about... Inflation in football, he wants to you yeah. know effectively like use it like the stock market and uh, buy low and sell high. Um, with a few of the youngsters he got from like Brazil, South America area. There's uh, one I can't remember his name is now. It's, Washington was it? No, no, no. It was another one. He's only eighteen. He's just gone out on loan. I think they got him for free. So he's basically hoping that he's going to become something really good and then probably just sell him straight there's on. There's a lot of risk though, isn't it? 
So oh, yeah, do, do, do you think Absolutely. do you think Bowley is trying to almost mould you into an English Dortmund in that in that sense? Possibly, possibly. He, he's a businessman. He's not a football man. At the end of the day, it's all about the money for him. Yeah. So if he can make a profit on players, he's gonna. Um, I think that's the way it's going to be now at Chelsea, unfortunately. But we've got a really good young squad. I think if we can keep them together, keep Botch there. You you can already see a massive improvement on last season already. Yeah, I mean I know results haven't been great this season, but the the positive signs are there. We've had pretty much all the possession in the games. We've had eighty something shots on goal in the first four games. Yeah, we're just not putting them away. Start putting them away, and it's completely different. Do you think in on that tone? Uh, obviously. All the comments around the amount of money that Chelsea have spent, and there's still not a, a, a top striker there at the moment. Do you think Jackson can be that? I think he will. He, he has a bold statement, but he's very much like Drogba when he came in. <laughs> the first season Drogba was there, he did next to nothing, and then he exploded. Jackson, he, he's done everything this season. He's been brilliant, apart from scoring. Yes, I know. And, but as, as, a fan, as, as somebody had him in his fantasy league from the start, I'm well aware. <laughs> the most frustrating thing is in pre-season, he was bang goals. He was. Some of his finishes were amazing. Was so and that's why I put him in. Calm and composed. Yeah, was like, I can't remember who was you playing, but I remember him going, what, New, did you play yeah, Newcastle? Yeah, he played and he, very well against Yeah, us. and he went clean through and he slotted in. I thought, well, hello. Have Chelsea finally yeah. found their man? And of course, and Kunku being injured is a big blow. I think that when in pre-season as well, Jackson and Kunku, they, they linked up mm. really well together. I think when he comes back in, he might not until next year. But is that is that how long he's he out, out for? Until New Year. Oh damn! So, um, yeah, I think as you say that there isn't. There's. I can see why you're uh, why you're taking that positive line. I think obviously when January comes around, depending on how Chelsea's season has gone up to that point, I wonder if it's going to be like a will Bowley have the uh, the foresight? Will he have the maybe the advice around him to say no? Look, don't do it. Stick with it now. You've made, you've put your flag in the ground with all these players. You've got a really young squad. You cannot just go out and keep buying, you know, seven, eight players every single transfer. You have to now give it time. Or whether he'll see, maybe if, let's say, for example, if Chelsea are outside the top six again at, you know, at Christmas, still kind of uh, stuttering, will he be tempted to go back into the market and try and find something again? It's really an unknown with him, I think. I'm, I'm hoping that's it. I'm hoping he can see that there is an improvement and that Poch is actually making inroads in the team. Mm-hmm. But Poch needs to revert back to the formation we was playing pre-season because playing Colwell on the left and um, Gusto. Chilwell further forward. Oh, yes, sorry. Yeah, left yeah. mid. It's not, not working as well as pre-season when he was playing 4 2 3 1. It's, it is interesting because you know you think of some of the attacking talent that you've got. Mm. I find it interesting that he even put Chilwell there because you think yeah. you've got all this Just exciting. Says a lot about that, it? Well, exactly. Um, I, do you do you see any future for him? Do you, do you feel like I, I want it to work for him because he seems like actually oh, he's he's, he's, he's got talent. There. He's got talent. It just doesn't seem to like show on the pitch. Like yeah. you see flashes of it and then it's nothing. I think it was the game against you when he took that shot and it went out for a <laughs> It was the volley at the back post, wasn't oh. it? Um, it's weird, isn't it? Because I, I still remember his debut against Liverpool last oh, yeah. year. That cameo. That cameo of like 20-odd yeah. minutes or whatever it was. And he came Run on. Ragged, and didn't he? Yeah, and it was like, holy shit, this boy, is, this boy is something. And I thought at that point, Arsenal probably were like, shit, we really should have been in for this guy. I think he's almost too quick. Because what game was it the other week? It was 
can't think it was the last game, the game before, he got put clean through and he almost he, he was he got past the goalkeeper, but he was running so fast <laughs> he couldn't keep the ball in. It was yeah. Yeah, it was like his brain is just sort of <laughs> slightly behind his legs. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I I feel like for him he needs, you know, maybe Europe might be a good spot for him because obviously European football is very different to, to Premier yeah. League football. Um, but obviously with no European football, that just <laughs> means he's got to do it in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. He had, that's his only kind of avenue unless you rely on, on domestic cup competitions. Um, who was the uh, the other player I was going to uh, talk about? Uh, Sanchez, your goalkeeper. What are you thinking on him at the moment? Not sure. He hasn't made any like real howlers so far. Yeah. He's a little bit Kepper-esque in the sense he's a bit flappy. I've got a feeling that uh, Petrovic, the other goalkeeper, mm-hmm. I've got a feeling he might get a run in the team soon. Do you think Sanchez was brought in to be number one? No. So you think the Kepa thing was I very... I was supposed to be number one and then all of a sudden when Courtois got injured and Kepa went, that bumped him up obviously to number one. So yeah. I, yeah, I don't think he was originally supposed to be number one okay and what about this season for Chelsea then I mean what represents progress what what, what would represent a good season for Chelsea this year (laughs) I think uh, with no European football and just the Premier League to concentrate on I probably will have to revisit this after 10 games or something (laughs) still not going so well but I think we should be getting top six yeah I mean, I'm not going to make any say because if anyone's seen our YouTube video of my uh, my table predictions, there are some absolute howlers in there yeah, based on the first four games. <laughs> Do so, you expect a domestic trophy or not? No, not no. this season. I'd be happy to have a bit of a cup run, just get the team, the squad gelling and playing and actually, last season was one of the worst seasons being a Chelsea fan. It was just disheartening watching it because yeah. there was no effort. It wasn't just the results, losing every week. It was, just every player just looked like didn't want to be there. Mm. It'd be yeah. nice to just have a bit of like the players wanting to be there, actually playing football. And you've seen that already this season. There is, it is getting better. I mean, one thing that we've not spoken about is the injury oh, yeah. list that Chelsea have got. So just to read off your injured players: yeah. Wesley Fofana, yeah. Nkunku, Chukwuenka, Broja, Chalaba, Rhys James, Mudrik is now on the injured list apparently. Uh, Badia Shield, Lavia, and uh, Bettinelli is your current so, interest. Badia Shield, um, Reese James, I think Trevor Chalabar, and Broja should be back after this international break. Yeah, they've but all got the long term injuries are in Kunku. Fafana's out the whole season again. Really? Yeah. What's, he, what's he done? I think it was his ACL again. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, Wesley. Oh, no, wait, that's. Yeah, potential return. Are you right? Third of the third of June, twenty twenty four. Yeah, exactly. Is his current? Uh, I think uh, Nkunku's not back till New Year or end of the year. Yeah, not uh, good. Chuckle makers, October, November time. Yeah, that injury came at a really bad time for him because I thought he looked really good against yeah. West Ham. Yeah, he looked really sharp. That goal that he that he scored against us. Oh, hello. There's, yeah. there's a player there, and of course he gets injured. Um, which actually did have quite an impact on the game itself, actually. When he went off, the game did seem to yeah. to swing a little bit in our favour. It'd be interesting when Brozier gets back in and gets fit. I wonder if he could play as the centre forward mm. and um, Jackson might play off of him. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Brozier's a talented lad, but he's obviously had a long spell on the mm. sidelines as well, so whether he can come back and hit the ground running as well. So, right, okay. Um, right, let's move on to your team then, Shearer. Let's talk about Newcastle. Um, How do you assess your start to the season 
Oh, it's taken me a while to recover from the Liverpool game still. (laughs) I'm still hurting a lot from that game. But I think when you have a look at our transfer business, it wasn't so much geared for this season, I don't think. I think a lot of them are talents for a couple of years' time with what we're trying to build with the club as a whole. Do you think you bought enough bodies for fighting in the Champions League? And The thing is that Nobody expects us to do anything in the Champions League, especially with the 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 group you've got. (laughs) But for us not being in the Champions League or Europe for 20-odd years, to get Dortmund, PSG and AC Milan is bloody brilliant. That is six banging nights that Newcastle fans are going to have home and away. Absolutely mental. There's no Mackums in Milan, everything. So we're going to be <laughs> loving life. Like, and if you think, especially with war flags and what they do for the club already, for them to get Champions League night and show what English teams can be like on the big stage, I think it's going to be huge. And I think that's probably overshadowed the start of our Premier League season, to be honest with you, because we're all looking forward to our... European nights again. I would say, though, that your Champions League, I don't know what you guys think, I'm not so sure it's should be as feared as maybe some it's people are saying. Dusted. No, I, I, I think AC Milan have been hit and miss. They're top and they're of not, the league, though, aren't they? they yeah, they, they've they've recovered quite well, but they in previous years have not been mm. up to strength. PSG are in a bit of a weird spot, and Dortmund, I don't think, have started the season that well either. So I don't think they should be. I think you've got every chance again, out that group. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I think for us as well, we like I said I don't think any a lot of people do expect us to do go through to the next round but if we do then brilliant like I said if we go in, in third position we get into Europa League brilliant if mm. not we've had six br- brilliant games where we've got to play European football again yeah. then we'll concentrate back into the league would you much rather have the group you've got than someone like Arsenal 100% yeah, yeah. 100% yeah. I think, like I said, when, when you're not you expected not exactly when you're not expected to win or you don't really have a realistic proposition of winning I think you go for right. Let's let's yeah. let's play the the Barcelona, the Real Madrid, the Munichs, etc. There's some romantic side of it all as well. Like you said, Isaac's going to go back to Dortmund when he played there. Mm-hmm. Tenali's going to go back to Milan. Then Kabai was at the. I'm Champions not sure he'll be in any emotional state to play in that game, given how much Tenali still loves AC Milan. But, <laughs> but I, I think the respect that their fans have for him and he has for their fans, he'd want to put on a show. I think just for the love of. Football. I just have. I can just see him just halfway through the game just taking off his Newcastle shirt, Milan underneath him, <laughs> and rises up for a corner and ends in an own goal. No, <laughs> no I, yeah, I, th- I think there's been a few things that probably knocked us off Premier League stability, like we would normally be, like with our intensity last season was top notch and you couldn't fault us effort wise. But I just think there's been a few things on in the background that have kind of like dismantled a few of our stalwarts really the one the one thing I would say about Newcastle is that whatever they had last season seemed very one dimensional but mm. very successful and sort of like Arsenal in a way where you sort of had that period near December where because we had a break didn't we for yeah. the internationals where teams could actually assess what you were doing much like with Arsenal and that's where you saw your decline and Arsenal's decline yeah. sort of around the same time because you could not score goals we, we but couldn't at the get same a time no you didn't really concede many either. No. And I think after that big break with a one-dimensional side, it's, 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 that's not a... No, no, no. Uh, I'm not but, trying to downplay how well Newcastle have done, but yeah. if you're not going to mix up the team as much and 
we didn't have to, to be fair, yeah we didn't have quite the, a predictable yeah we didn't have the depth to be able to change anything i don't think and that's probably why they brought in isaac as well to have that different dimension of a forward i said i love callum wilson and i think he's still got a role to play especially this season but he is a out and out center forward mm-hmm. he is your classic i'm in the box feed me and i'll score whereas isaac's one of those Yakubi. feed him Um, but yeah I feel like um, with Isaac you can play him on the wing and he can cut in and he can score a goal he can do a cross he's going to be a player in half so good see see the assist he got against Everton when he dribbled past people for fun he's got we've got the ability of those sorts of players but from what I've seen on our like transfer market with players that we that we're trying to get in like I saw we tried to go in for Lloris on deadline day and that didn't come, and I think that's probably this gradual Pope because you have a look at him against Liverpool, it's his fault for the mm-hmm. some of the goal, like and some of the ways that he's not coming for corners as well as he used to. You have a look at the game against Brighton where the ball's hit him and it's gone straight into Ferguson, but that's all come from his poor clearance to begin with, yeah. And I think it's highlighted so much how poor his kicking is compared to everybody else. You have a look, Ramsdale was very comfortable with the ball at his feet. No, he's not the best, but he's very comfortable at it. Yeah, it takes too many risks at times, but yeah. yeah. But he's very comfortable at it. Pickford got a hell of a kick on him. He's very yeah. comfortable with the ball at his feet. And I feel like that's probably why he wasn't in the England squad. I still can't get my head around, and I say this all the time, I still can't get my head around the fact that his technique with kicking the ball doesn't involve his left arm. His left arm is just completely <laughs> irrelevant during the process of kicking that ball. And, I, you know, we all play football here. When you kick a ball with your right foot, your, your left arm comes out as a sort of counterbalance. Mm. And his is just down by his side. I throw my whole body into a fucking kicking a ball, but I still don't get it as far as <laughs> So whatever he's doing is working for him. Yeah. But yeah. Do, you, do you think, you know, Newcastle's success last year has maybe just... Uh, we overachieved. Yeah, but do you think that that's had a knock-on effect of where now people almost expect too much of Newcastle now? No, not in my mind. I think people saw pretty much what Pete said. There were times that we did play really good football, but... It was in the same way throughout. Teams do their research. They see what they need to do. They nullify your threats. And that's it. We need to now think about how we can go around and do plan B, plan C. What are we going to do if this player is nullified? How are we going to find another route in? I love the fact that he's trying to be intensity is our identity. I love it. And I love the way that we play football now compared to how Steve Bruce tried to get some blokes to have a kick about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how's the beer, can you see? Um, uh, even with Rafa, he could make you disciplined, <laughs> but you never associate Rafa with good football. No. And like I said, you think even before <clears throat> that, when you have the likes of Steve McLaren, he didn't really play well consistently. Whereas with Eddie... I, I can't really... First name terms, yeah. <laughs> That's how... me not Mr. Howe anymore, he's just Eddie. Eddie and Bobby and King Kev, they're the ones for me. Everybody else is just... It's almost like you've gone through the same transformation that Spurs are currently going through. Mm. You know, they've had those three managers, those shit managers, now they've got Ange come in who's playing a nice yeah. brand of football and all of a sudden everything's positive, everything's happy. Um, so <laughs> yeah, me too. I was looking forward to another season of Spurs being shit. Um, but yeah, I just think like there's probably some players that have just felt a little bit uncomfortable. Like I said, with Pope, he felt maybe 
with Lloris coming in, he's got the European experience. Maybe he was going to try and take his position, even though we've got four other keepers for some reason. And then <laughs> in the same aspect, um, I've seen that Bruno had, I think there's three or four bids in for him in the transfer window. Liverpool bid in for him. What, Gomares? Mm-hmm. Oh, really? City. I didn't see anything about this. Awesome. City, yeah. bid. City bid for him, apparently, as well. Was that after Pakatar fell through? Probably. And... I said, you can understand why, because you have a look at how well he played and how instrumental he was for us last season. And he's been a bit of a shadow of his former self. And I think we're going to have our little blips now and again. It's natural. If we're getting ours out of the way now before the European Knights come in, then so be it. We've had a tough run. I said, having, I think the Villa game was an anomaly. It's not a 5-1 game. I think we were just very clinical and Mm -hmm. they weren't. We did play well, but I think they're flattered to deceive. City, you're never going to expect to win against City away from home anyway. Mm. Um, We nullified Haaland, which is great. Liverpool game was the one for me that just is... I said, I don't think I've actually recovered from it. (laughs) Um, We started... The first half, we were phenomenal. Put them on the back foot. Trent, I would still argue, should have been sent off. I don't think you'll get any arguments from many people Mm. on that one. And I think if he did get sent off and there was two players off at that point, or even if Isaac scored when Van Dijk fouled him, I think if we going in 2-0, then it is a different game. However, we just lost the intensity in the second half and I jinxed it. As soon as I said to my old man, oh, I'm surprised that Nunes doesn't play. He's not a good footballer. <laughs> I said, he's not a good footballer, but I'd rather play against a good footballer like a Jota or a Salah who's like a nice footballer, instead of him, who's just going to put his head down, run at you like a caveman and just hit it from (laughs) 20-odd yards. You can't predict what those players are going to do. Whereas you can predict to a degree what a Jota or a Salah or a Firmino, what those types of players do. And he scores fucking two goals. And then I think that just put all the team in the... Best analysis of a game like that. Honestly, oh. I've had Nunez called many things. I've not heard him called a caveman yet. <laughs> You've had a tough start to the season. Man. Yeah. And like I said, and then, like I've said before, if we... Do you think... I mean, that, you were talking about the the new uh, the Villa game, sorry, when you were talking about how clinical you were. Yeah. I mean, even though I totally agree your intensity did drop off, because when Van Dijk was, was red-carded, you were all over them. And I thought, mm. oh my God, this could be another... Yeah, it could be a 3 3-4-0 yeah. like, job if Easily. Newcastle keep this going. You still would off. You did have chances. I mean, you think about that one in the second half. Almiron at the post. Almiron at the post. There was one Allison where somebody... saved it from Almiron's volley. Yeah, that, that was a cracking save, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was it Harvey Barnes could have rolled it across to Wilson, yeah. was it, I think? Yeah. So on another day, if you were being a Bill Cooper, you could have won that by three or four goals. But, and that's the thing. Like I said, if we did get that second goal, I think that changes the game in its entirety. Changes the mentality. He doesn't then Klopp doesn't make the changes that he did. He doesn't make those attacking changes because at 1-0, we all know from playing football, sometimes it's harder to play against 10 men because they're going to up their game to compensate for the player that they're missing. So, like I say, unless you get that second goal in the Premier League, it's never a foregone conclusion that you're going to win it. Mm -hmm. And that was our issue. And I think if we beat, beat Liverpool that game, we then go into the... Uh, Brighton game slightly differently maybe come out with a draw and if you think then if we had a win against Villa a win against Liverpool a draw against Brighton and lost against City you then seen the whole look at those games slightly differently and think that's not a bad start from 
season. I'd have taken that at the beginning. Yeah. But now because we've lost those games, it then puts everybody in a bit of a shitter and a bit of a depressing mood. I said, as I've mentioned already, I still haven't recovered from that game. It's really damaged me but only because of <laughs> the six of how well we played last year we, whatever we do we can't beat Liverpool we haven't beaten them in like 10 fixtures <laughs> your turn will come because West Ham couldn't beat Brighton they spanked them mm. yeah <laughs> yeah no I'm, like I said I'm yeah. looking forward to it <laughs> wait till 13 wasn't it <laughs> yeah a couple more years exactly. yeah some more no, games to come yeah mate I'll, I'll find out how many exactly it is but yeah it's it's hurtful so same question to, to you then um what represents a good season for Newcastle this year? So, Champions League win. Easy. Um, for me, I've, I just don't feel like we can replicate last season. And if anybody thinks that we can, I think it's quite deluded in that sense. I think if we can get top 10. Top 10? You'd be happy if you didn't qualify for Europe? No, I wouldn't be happy. <laughs> That's what I'm just saying is that if we can get top 10 and look to get into Europa League or conference, the the aim is to keep European football at St. James's. Mm-hmm. That is the end goal. We need the money to come in with the influx to help them buy the players. With the documentary that came out, the Newcastle one, their analogy essentially of how you make success is the higher the salary is for players, the better the outcome is on the pitch. So those who... Demanding higher wages are better players, therefore. <laughs> you know, I love how you looked at Lee when he said that. So, so Dan's not here as well. <laughs> so, have a look at that. A lot of the top, a lot of the teams that, were, <laughs> a lot of the teams that we were above from last season, a lot of those teams now have bought players who are in excess of 80, 70, 100 mil players. We can't afford to buy a 100 mil player to keep up with that at the minute. So mm. for people to think that we can get into the top five again is not plausible. You can't. I think on your point about not affording, I don't, it's, it's the FFP that is the problem, isn't mm. it? Yeah. Um, so European football is on a regular money? basis will help with mm-hmm. that and will help release some more funds that you can start bringing players in. And I guess if you do, you know, the strange situation with, with, with Declan Rice with us was that we sold we sold him for 105 million we were on that FFP watch list because of our spending last year. Yep. All of a sudden now we've got this fucking massive <laughs> stash of, of cash, cash and we think, oh, right, okay, well, now we can actually go and spend this this summer. I mean, we all, I think everyone knew it was going to... I retained some level of deluded hope that he might stay, but of course it didn't work out. But now we're in this strange position where actually we have spent the money well and we're arguably in a better position. team position without him now, um, without that reliance, such a heavy reliance on him. So, yeah, I think for me... I don't know what you guys think. For me, Newcastle's next focus should probably be in their defensive area. I think midfield and strikers, I think you're pretty well set. Mm. Um, maybe a, a, a bit more depth, maybe in one or two areas. But I think yeah. defensively, I think if you were to lose Botman to an injury... And that was the issue. We lost him because of the Liverpool game. Yeah. He is a... I've seen him play a few times in person. And he is... He looks like fucking Hercules, honestly. <laughs> he is, he's good looking, he's massive, probably got a massive schlong. Like, <laughs> he's, he's a proper centre-back. He can play, he can head, he tackles. And that's the problem, that we don't have somebody that good 
next to him, I don't think. I think Fabian Scher's been a brilliant servant for 1.5 million <coughs> that we bought him for. Yeah. Even as a hell of a bargain. Mm-hmm. However, he's not as good as Botman. Mm-hmm. And what's been the problem with these first few games is that he's dropped lower than 50%, I believe, on his aerial duels, his tackles. Who Scher has. And his yeah. interceptions when he wasn't that last year. Mm-hmm. And like I said, that was probably, like I said, you say our defence is the problem, which I, I do agree with you to some degree. Last year, we were, at times, for a long period, the best defence in the league. I mean, you still were. You enjoyed yeah, the best yeah. uh, at the end of the season. So there's good things there. But like you say, now that Cher's not performed as well, Botman's out, who's going to replace him? Are you going to bring in Lascelles? You've got two factors there. Though. You've mm-hmm. played a load of good teams to start with in Brighton, City... Liverpool and Villa. Yeah, that is a very tough and start. So to say about the defensive record mm. and the statistics mm. on that, you've played those four teams. Mm. So I would probably expect it's from last season as well yeah. to have dropped off from there. Yeah, and I as you said, you're over Newcastle. They will be top six because they're going to be fighting around with the likes of Villa, um, Brighton, Brentford, them, those sort of teams. If you don't think you're on a better than those... That's, you like, tell him, Pete. Go on, son. <laughs> well, like I said, I'm, I like to be devil's advocate. I'd, I'd rather set our barrier low and then we overachieve yeah, well, That's it. exactly the same as us, because yeah. I think we're going to win the league every year and we fucking lose to Atkinson and Stanley. That's what I think, as well. But like I said, you, you've got to have a look at the years that I've supported them and we've never had a good thing until the takeover and Eddie coming in and actually having an attractive style of football good footballers who we actually can feel like they're role models for the younger generation to want to get into football and watch. Like I said, you just got to have a look at the improvements that he's made to players like Joel Linton, mm-hmm. who is going to easily be the worst player ever in Premier League history. So <laughs> now being a, a colossus in the midfield as like a bargain at 40 million for a box-to-box midfielder you don't really get nowadays. So yeah. like I said, I, I trust Eddie and like I said, I think <laughs> we... In Eddie, we trust. Um, I think he will come the better of it, and I think we will get top eight. But he's moved up to. Yeah. I, I said we. <laughs> By the end of the show, I, they're I, winning the league. I, I said that we. Our aim is Europe. That is the minimum that we need to maintain success. Because on the documentary, they showing that the Adidas are now going to be the kit sponsor for next year, and as opposed to Castor. Okay. Nah, but the thing is, though, that Adidas have got such a rich history with Newcastle. You think about all the legendary players and the kits, the Grandad Collar, the the Nuki Brown Ale and everything like that. Those fans, like with the Castor kit this year, very reminiscent of an old retro kit. And there's been two, three hour wait times to get into the shop to buy it. But I think, like that because I like your kids because you're yeah. one of the few teams out there that aren't going with Adidas and Nike. Oh, but and I, you I look at those kits, they're so fucking exactly. Yeah. Every team's got the same template. You've got to pick a different colour off the, the rack. The, the good thing about the Adidas stuff is that they like to link in with the retro style. And I, think I would prefer Adidas over Nike. I would say that. And that's why I think I think Nike so, no, do oh, have. Oh, a, is, nice. is it? Mm. Like, like really? Yeah. It is not, not, I don't like, see. But I, th- but I think what's nice about it. Really? What's nice about it? I don't. I don't like it. I like it, but I think the fact that it doesn't have a sponsor on at the minute yeah. makes it look nicer anyway. Because I've got a Newcastle shit, uh, shirt from last year. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, I've got, but I've got a Newcastle shirt from last year, and that doesn't have a sponsor, and I think it's 
10 times better than what <laughs> it was anyway. But yeah, with Adidas, they've got such a rich history. Like you think about Alan Shearer coming home, that's an Adidas brand of collar shirt. The Entertainers was Adidas. Going into Europe was Adidas. Bobby Robson, Keegan. So what you're saying is, is that Adidas coming back in is, is the key to your future success. The amount of shirt sales that we will get from not only the actual kit itself, but the training gear that Adidas do is all retro style. I'm telling you now, all that money that they get, like I said, you think about the players, but like when Ronaldo went back to Man United, how much money that comes over. You get one good player coming in with European badges on, with the full kit on there. Easy. Lots of money. <laughs> well, there we Win go. the league. <laughs> there we go. That's right. I'll, I'll, I'll ask you at the end of the show again if you want to revise your uh, table prediction. Um, right. Okay. Well, let's move on. I want to, um, even though Dan's not here, he's not getting away with it to a degree. We're going to talk about United um, because it feels like they're just never too far away from another controversial story. Um, Dan was very frustrated in our group chat this week, wasn't he, Lee? Um, he went very quiet. He, he did, yes. <laughs> uh, he did send a picture through, um, obviously, about the um, about the Anthony story. Uh, I won't repeat what he said, but you can imagine he wasn't a happy bunny about yet another <laughs> Manchester United player um, potentially in trouble for you know sexual assault and they all that kind of stuff. They know how to pick them, don't they? Or Giggsy as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's just... If you're a United fan, I mean, as as funny as it is, and trust me, it is funny. I just I'm I can't, I'm trying to put myself into their position to imagine the fact that you know your club is just at the moment. I mean, is it unfair to say they're a bit of a laughing stock at the moment? I think at the minute, yeah, you compare it to like I said, how Spurs was everybody's punch bag last season. It's they haven't made themselves any favours at the minute, I don't think. And like you said, you have a look at like even Ten Hag having a bit of a spat with Sancho mm-hmm. and yeah. stuff as well. Like, what do you what do you guys make of that that whole Sancho thing? Because obviously, um, you weren't here last week. In fact, none of you were here last week. So, what what did you guys make of that whole Sancho thing? I don't think it's great on either side, is it? No. Really, I don't think Ten Hag should be coming out and saying that in public. I think that should. I think some fans would probably like it, depending on where yeah, you stand but, with it. But but then Sancho shouldn't be coming out for things on social media, either. <laughs> yeah. So, but it, then, wasn't there a bid in for him as well during the transfer window from a Saudi was it, team? Was it a fiver? But like, I think it was Steven Gerrard's team in Saudi put a bid in for him, right. and I think for some reason it got pulled out. I don't know. He just wants to play football. You look back. <laughs> Three years ago now. Well, even that they that, were begging for Sancho. To well, come they chased along. him for what two years? Yeah. Uh, before they eventually got him for eighty odd million. Yeah, look at that. Last day yeah, no, no, another fantastic last day purchase from United. But the um, when he was in Dortmund team and he was getting into the England team, he was the at, next big thing. At, at England, times, he, he was unplayable. Yeah, he was really good, and then, well, it just shows, doesn't it? Like a manager and player don't get on. Is there is there a bit of a storm brewing here for Ten Hag? Because you've got the Sancho thing, right? United themselves are underperforming. It feels like the Hoyland thing almost has to work. Yeah. If it doesn't, that's another £70 million transfer that hasn't worked. And the transfers, the big money transfers that haven't worked are stacking up. Maguire, Anthony, I don't know how much Van der Beek was, Sancho, now Hoyland. These are all big money transfers. Anana, £50 million. For me, I'm sorry, but the jury's out on him at the moment on, on Anana. 100%. 
he's a mistake waiting to happen, isn't he? Oh, he's already made, um, you know, yeah. should have made more than he has. I mean, he's got away with a few. Um, and the fact that Glazers have now said that the club's not for sale. Right? Yeah, and now the stock, I mean, the stock, yeah, the stock price, the rocks, biggest yeah. drop in their history. I think it was, it was like 13%. Yeah, it's the lowest it's ever been. Yeah, they lost like something like 5 billion in one day or something stupid or whatever the number was. Oh, yeah, I'm arguing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your tone suddenly there's, changed, mate. There's not many teams I hate, but they are one of them. <laughs> they are one of them. And I just, I've just enjoyed the downfall. Well, it doesn't help. That obviously they beat us in the cup final. Dan does come back to his country. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) He can deal with it when he comes back. But in the minute, but no, I, I do think that United obviously they are one of the biggest teams in England of all time, and to see the legacy that Fergie made for them now kind of start crumbling is it. Their, their, their stadium is like a metaphor for their club at the moment, isn't literally it? Literally crumbling. Yeah, it literally is yeah. crumbling. Um, and you know, I think the when I was listening talking about the, the stock price, I remember they were talking about it on Sky Sports when they were trying to analyse the kind of the impact and what it means. And I think the, the, the one of the issues with the Glazers is the fact that you have got some of the members of the Glazer family want to sell, some of them want to keep it, but they were valuing the the, the club way way too high because I think at the point of when the bid came in, their club was valued on the stock market. At three and a half billion, I think it was. What did they want? Six? They wanted originally. They wanted six, and I think the whoever was coming in was Ineos and the the uh, Qatari group was it? Yeah. Um, I that Radcliffe as well coming in. Yeah, he's Ineos. Yeah, Rad- Radcliffe is Ineos. Yeah, so uh, I think they were prepared to go to six million because I think you know football clubs are an investment, and I think given United's global brand, you could probably make a make a. A decent return on that, but as soon as they then start going, we want eight, nine, and ten. They're thinking, no, that's just. Mm-hmm. Why would I pay three times your your yeah, stock value for your company? Um, so I think they shot themselves in the foot. It wouldn't surprise me if the stock. I mean, the stock price will recover. I'm sure that was just a, a very knee jerk reaction from the stockholders who decided that you know it does now's always the time to get tend out. to crash and then recover. So. Well, it does, especially you know it's. The stock market is so uh, volatile anyway. It's yeah. only got, you know, look at Elon Musk with Tesla, anybody that follows stock market yeah. stuff. Elon Musk has only got to come out and say one thing about one particular subject and the fucking entire world goes <laughs> nuts to even buy or sell. And it's the same thing with, with this. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there's there's issues there. And I, I, I know Gary Neff is very passionate about this. He talks about it pretty much every, so, every Super Sunday, whether United are playing or not. It does kind of feed down, doesn't it? When when the when the top of down. when the top of the tree is in such a disarray, it is going to affect everything underneath it. Um, that being said, we have seen a number of occasions, and West Ham is a good example. Years ago, when we had the protests on the pitch, as soon as things improve on the pitch, things do go away. We've seen it with United in recent Mine times as well. Again, yeah. um, so back to Ten Hag. How, what do we make of him so far? Because this is what his second season, it, second full season mm-hmm. in charge. Um, obviously he's had a good season last year it was clear improvements there do we think he's getting away with it a bit with his you know look at how many players have improved under Ten Hag is a good question I still think last season although they did well in the league I don't think they was very good Mm. never never watched Man United think oh they've got good individuals they've got very very rarely you say oh that was yeah that was a good performance very heavily relied on Rashford last year Mm -hmm. Um, and that amazing spell that he had. But you look at um, Eddie Howe, good example. The number of players that have improved under him as a mm. coach. I can't think of too many players at United that have improved under Ten Hag, maybe the exception of Rashford, maybe Luke Shaw. 
Um, but you know, Luke Anthony, Shaw, I feel was more confidence because Mourinho just yes, Mourinho, Mourinho did yeah, Mourinho did bully him into submission. Um, you know, Anthony not improving for me at all. Martial, I mean, you know, he's always injured. Yeah. Um, he's basically hung Maguire out, Maguire straight out to dry. I know he's been in very very poor form, yeah. but he literally Drawing played Johnny Evans. He brought in Johnny <laughs> Evans, yeah, when he's got Maguire there, he he literally played. Luke Shaw at centre-back ahead of Maguire last year because that's what he thinks of Maguire. Um, and Martinez faking an injury as well. When? He went off injured in the last game. What, against Arsenal? I believe so. Yeah, because that's why Johnny Evans and Maguire were both yeah. playing. So he faked the injury and now he's out with Argentina. Interesting. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think that maybe Ten Hag is... You know, if he doesn't get this right, we've there's always a pattern with these things as you begin to see like a little storm at brewing. You know, think performances on the pitch haven't been good, disgruntled players with the Sancho situation. Maguire's obviously not happy. Um, big name signings not working. It just feels like the things are closing in on Ten Hag a little bit here. Um, what does what does uh, what does again another question I've been asking this all night? What does what does success look like for United this year? I mean, Dad's not here to just to say what he thinks as a United fan, what they want from the outside looking well, in. What do we think it they've looks got like? Aim for top four, aren't they? Surely. Well, I hope so because otherwise my table prediction is going to look a bit well, fucking yeah. stupid. <laughs> I, I, I do think it's a very interesting season this year. A lot of teams have put in big money to improve, and I think it's going to be very hard to get into that top six this year. You have a look at Spurs, like. I don't. I certainly didn't imagine that they would improve as well as they have done as quickly as they have done. So you got them in the mix. Aston Villa have bought very well and done very well under Emre. Then you have a look at those who, are, like I said, Chelsea have already improved. They don't have European football. Sorry about themselves <laughs> this year, so they don't have to worry about that as much this season. Um, so and Brighton have always improved, improved, and improved. We are in the mix as well. There's a lot of team. No, <laughs> no. Um, top of the league. Well. Exactly. We've been top of the league twice this year. <laughs> There's a lot of teams that have improved and bought big and well. It's going to be the hardest to get into that mix now. I think. Like I said Liverpool buying a hundred mil player, even though Klopp said that he would quit when they would do that. <laughs> so fuck you, Klopp. Um, There's a lot of teams that have done well, transfer and building good players and teams I don't see Man U getting in the top four okay um, one of the other big players we've not spoken about when I was talking about the big transfers is Mason Mount um, <laughs> you're sitting there smiling away um, are you <laughs> I mean do you it's not often that, uh, that a Chelsea fan can sort of like smile and say yeah we've got amazing you know value when you've paid the sort of money for Mudrick and stuff but this does feel a bit like that it does feel like you've you've uh, you've sort of pulled the uh, pulled the proverbial over over Man United's head here. Do you see Mount working in this in this United team? And I think was it who came out this week and said I think it was John was it John Terry? Somebody came out and basically said there are two sides to every story with Mason Mount, and there was a reason that he left, oh. and that one day you'll realise and everyone will be a lot nicer about Mount leaving Chelsea. And I don't know. give a shit in 10 years. Well, no, that's the point, especially if his career continues on the trajectory Mount it's going now. Mount himself when he 
because I, I was a bit gutted when he left. And then when I saw the video of him in the United changing room with his dad, going, oh, we're home or we've made it or whatever he said, something along them lines, coming as it was, I thought, you what? <laughs> you come through the Chelsea ranks mm. and then you've gone and done that. So, yeah. He's so dead on. to me. He's, he's, he's gone further from home because he's a Pompey. Pompey. Yeah. yeah. Fucking idiot. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is a player who, you know, a couple of years ago was... Part of a, of a pretty successful Chelsea team, you know, Champions League winners. Yeah, um, <laughs> is it? Does it surprise you where Mount's trajectory has gone? I know he's bit. had injury issues. Yeah, he he. Towards the end of his Chelsea career, he was hampered with injuries a lot. I think it was. Um, I think he had like hip surgery or pelvis surgery, something like that. Um, towards the end of his Chelsea career, that's why he didn't play at the end. <clears throat> don't really know now what the issue is. I don't, well, he's injured again, isn't he? Uh, I believe so, yeah. But yeah, is that just a bit of a smokescreen? Because it, it started so badly at United for him. Do you, I mean, do you see where he fits into this United side? Because we, we've talked about this and Dan's not even sure. I don't see where anyone really fits in at that <laughs> moment. No. Because no. what would you say as a Chelsea fan is his best position? He's sort of. Uh, just behind the striker probably in that number yeah. 10 sort of cam role mm-hmm. yeah and of course they're not going to drop Fernandez no. um, from that so yeah um, maybe we'll see a bit more of him in the uh, in the European on the European stage um, hopefully because he's been brilliant so far <laughs> <laughs> you want to see him and Maguire in the same lineup. <laughs> so yeah I think United have got some issues on the way I think there's there's a, there's a little storm brewing with Ten Hag and I just wonder if he's getting away with it um, a little bit with uh, with things, but you know the international breaks come at a good time. I think with the for a lot of teams actually Newcastle, United, one or two others where they can just take a little bit of a breather now, try and reassess. Good time for us. Yeah, it came at an awful time for us. Oh, yeah, um, stop the camp. Yeah, right. <laughs> so um, yeah, we'll obviously have to wait and see. Um, by the time we come back next week, of course, we'll have more Premier League football to talk about. So we'll see how those teams have dealt with the little break. Um, and uh, yeah right so we're going to uh, come towards the end of the show what are you looking at there? oh the trophy player of the week is that you or Seb uh, certainly weren't me <laughs> um, no my yeah my son did his first ever football training session and then uh, probably broke the trophy nice um, he, he, it was my fault because he wanted to carry it around everywhere there. he was so proud of himself he nice absolutely loved it and he, dro- he we took it to football in the afternoon he dropped it once on the concrete and chipped it and then into the change rooms you know like when cats do that fucking stupid thing where they just stare at you and knock stuff off the side. <laughs> That's kind of what he was in. I was trying to put some sun cream on him, and uh, he was just playing with it. He just kept pushing it towards the edge, and it fell off in the change room and just snapped in two. So my dad's repaired it, but that's now ours, and I've had to buy a new one. Lando. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Lando Norris. Yeah. So that was a brand new trophy, and he was the first one to get it, and he broke it within three hours. Oh, that was intentional. He's done that. He's like, yeah, I want a bit of that. Yeah. So uh, anyway, right, um, right. Then we will uh, round off the show then with Pete's quiz. This week? No. Almost. Radio. Um, I'm actually going to give you. I'd like to say a fairly easy. Oh, oh, I've got to stop saying things like that, mate. So, how's, like, how's this going to work then? I'd say like last week. Well, like not last week, but the week before, where I gave you multiple choice. Okay. With these ones, 
I'm not going to give you more choice for these, to be honest. Okay. I'd say a walk in the park. It's from this. Oh. It's from this season only. You're really setting us up for failure, mate. You're welcome to get your phones or something, write it down, or the first player to give me the answer, or just keep throwing names and numbers at me. Totally up to you. Depends how competitive you boys want to make it. Depends how easy it is. Yeah. <laughs> Would you like multiple choice or not? Say out the first question. <laughs> right. Okay. Go on. Then. We'll just we'll just uh, we'll just shout them out. Okay, so 10 questions. Erling Haaland is still not the top point scorer in the FPL this season. True or false? True. Sorry? True. Uh, who, would have, who would have scored more than him? I don't think he's in the top. It's been a few hat-tricks, hasn't it? Yeah, but those players that scored the hatches have done haven't done much previous mm. to that. Um I'm gonna say false. Okay. I think I'm gonna go false as well. I think it's someone like Solly March. So it's false. Mm. We've got an who is it, do we know? Evan Ferguson. It is what? I took him out of my fancy team after two weeks. <laughs> he barely played. Was it did he get that many points in that he's, one he's game? Scored the first game he came on, he scored. Scored a hat trick against hat-trick. us, hat-trick. and then he would have got bonus points because okay. he would have got man of the match. I'm sorry, I forgot he scored earlier in the season. I thought because when we were talking about it, the fact you took him out of your team, it was because he hadn't really played the season. He was starting, he yeah. starting Welbeck instead of him. I thought, oh, well, take him out. So yeah. take him out. Hat trick. Yeah. <laughs> right, well, that's uh, Let me know losing. who you're taking out next time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Harlan. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, who scored the first goal of the Premier League season? Who was the... Uh, it's an Arsenal game. No. Uh, actually, I know who it was. Okay. You Mate, it's all yours. Give him the benefit of the doubt. You go for it. You go. could, you could just throw it. No, that's me. I want to see what he says first, yeah. and then I'll, I'll, I'll throw in my answer. The thing is, he's so it, was a fr- it was a Friday yeah, night game, Friday. yeah. He's so confident, so he knows the answer. So you need to try and... Oh, uh, no, I know who it was, actually. <laughs> uh, I know the teams it was. Yeah. So it must have been Haaland, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was Man City yeah. Burnley, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, Haaland. Yeah, Haaland, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who scored Luton's first Premier League goal? Uh, do you know any Luton players, mate? I, the only thing I know about Luton is their grounds next to somebody's kitchen. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'll give you some options. Is it Morris? Okay, or I'll just give you that. Yeah, yeah. Carlton <laughs> Morris, well done. <laughs> Uh, which team were top of the table after the end of the first Newcastle of games Newcastle okay yeah fair enough straight in there (laughs) (laughs) who is fourth bottom after the fourth round of games (laughs) Uh, it's a marathon not Uh, which fixture was not played in match week <coughs> following the postponement? Oh, and I want both teams. Luton Spurs, in yeah, some one, wasn't it? Was, it was it they... No. It was definitely Luton. Yeah. Uh, Burnley. Burnley, Burnley, yes, that was Burnley, it. Yes, um, how many players did Nottingham Forest sign on deadline day? <laughs> one 
billion eight, players. Eight or was it nine? I reckon they've signed. Um, not on deadline day. I think that they signed that across the whole window. Oh, was it? I is think it on deadline day? On just on deadline day. Deadline day. Four. It was quite a few. It was four it? or five, wasn't it? I'm going to go four. I'm going to say five. So five. Four. Four. By the way, they did make some very good signings. Sangari yeah. from PSV. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus good. Christ. I'll, I'll go four as well. Okay. Seven. Oh, seven. damn. All right. Yeah. That's close. You were. <laughs> So sort of Don't listen to me, mate. Under the radar, didn't they? Seven players. Wow. I suppose that sort of got a little bit overshadowed from yourselves, mm. didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, which of these players did not score a hat trick in match week four? Evan Ferguson, Erling Haaland, Mohamed Salah, or Sun Hyun Min? Mohamed Salah. Hello, woman. Mm-hmm. He is indeed. Um. Sheffield United are the only promoted team from the 2022-23 to achieve a point this season. Who did they draw against? Sheffield United. They're the only promoted team to achieve a point this season. Who did they draw against? Everton. Hmm. Was it was it Everton? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to say Forest actually, but I think Forest beat them, didn't they? Two or one. The Sheffield Everton game was, yeah. Pickford made that very good save towards the end. Edison is one of only two goalkeepers to keep two clean sheets. Who is the other? Ooh. I won't give you the options now because it might make it a bit obvious after. So. Someone can get it off of this and fair play to them. Was it two clean sheets? Mm. I think I don't. It's not going to be any of the big boys, is it? I think all the big boys have conceded. It's certainly not my team. <laughs> yeah, it's, and so Edison's one of them. Two goalkeepers to keep two clean sheets. No, I don't think no? it's us. No, we always concede a goal. Conceded In fact, we concede every. We concede every game actually. Yeah. Okay. So I'll give you a hint. It is one of the the big boys. Spurs. Spurs keeper. Mm-hmm. Oh, Vic- Vicario. Yeah. Um, and then the other team. No, that's so one. Of Ed- oh, so sorry. One of the two. Uh, and how many nil-nil draws have there been this season so far? <laughs> I feel like has there been any? I was going to say I don't feel like there's been none. None, none yeah. I was say. That's why we're paying about thirty-five pound a month. <laughs> Sky, <laughs> BT, ESPN. I think they came out the other day. I think the current this year's prices. I think it works out at something like eight hundred and fifty quid for the year. That's a season ticket. Yeah. It's mental. Just one for shits and gigs at the end, just cool. because I've just found the next question. Uh, which of these players has not missed a penalty in 23-24 season? Fernandez, so Enzo Fernandez, Haaland, Mbermo or Salah? Mbermo. I think. Yeah. Is it Mbermo or Salah? Salah missed? Yeah. He? he missed against uh, yes. Bournemouth. He did, he yeah. Did yeah, yeah. So Carabao last season. Harlan missed against. Uh, Remember it because we captained in that game. Oh, God, yeah. Wasn't the first game. No. Who did they play the second game? Well, he ended was up it Sheffield up. United? We missed a penalty and then scored yeah, later. Yeah, he did score, yeah. 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 In Burma. <laughs> 
There we go. Right. So wasn't really keeping score of that, but you all done very well. Yeah, it was fine. <laughs> just, just a fr- just a little friendly game that one. <laughs> right. So there we go. Well, that brings us to to the end of the show. As I said, a bit of a slightly uh, short episode this week. Normality to be resumed next week when Dan will be back with us. Uh, Pete, you going on holiday again anytime soon? No, no more. I'm done with them. That's <laughs> <laughs> So right. Well, thank you very much, everyone listening. Lee, Shearer, thank you very much for uh, joining at the eleventh hour. Uh, we'll definitely get you back on again soon. We'll wait until both teams do shit and then get you back on. Just for <laughs> um, so uh, yeah every week then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> <laughs> right well thank you very much for listening everyone and we'll see you all next week <laughs> <laughs>